Why, hello, friends. You're about to start an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. These next few weeks, however, are going to be a little different. We're going to open with uh, thanking our sponsors because these are going to be film commentaries, and we don't really like to take a break during those. So, first up, a huge thanks to our longest sponsor over at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it looks like, the, you know, we might be... You know, in quarantine times for the long haul. So start planning now for your locked-in-the-house winter entertainment. Get some board games, get some puzzles, get some role-playing games. Get them now before, you know, every store literally runs out. Just watch. you. I guarantee board games will become the new toilet paper. That did not sound right, but you know what I mean. So... <laughs> Go to Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street. And while you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And then another huge shout out and thanks to Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. If you enjoy us talking about uh, Star Trek, which you probably do because you listen to the show, and you'd like to know more ongoing adventures of the Enterprise or Deep Space Nine or Voyager or really anyone who has worn red, blue, or gold then get yourself to Bridge City Comics. They have all manner of fantastic Star Trek comics, going back to some of the the classic, uh, like DC and Marvel ones, maybe even some of the Malibu stuff, as well as the new stuff being put out by IDW. So go there, check them out. You can also find them online at BridgeCityComics.com. And of course, a big shout out to Rev Nat of Rev Nat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with equipment so that we can keep doing these podcasts while we are all stuck in our respective homes, basements, living rooms, and what have you, and still make sure the show sounds wonderful. With that, let's kick off Trektober with this issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. We're gonna talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going War Factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 569 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Arita. And I'm your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. Hello, friends. How's it going? It's all right. It's been a good Tuesday. It's going. Bean's like, I'm dead inside. Other than that, everything's fine. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I didn't get enough sleep last night. And it started catching up to me about 45 minutes before I sat down to go live. So Perfect I'm, just, like, I'm trying to like, turn to just like push through that. Push it. it it's, uh, it's appropriate for what we're going to watch this evening. That's, That's a true. really good point. I had not thought about that. It's yeah. extremely relevant exhaustion. Yeah, just mm-hmm. claim it's performance art. That's what I do. That's right. Riker. All right, I'm, I'm ready to watch this Riker. episode. Really better. And my hair is oh, see when she decidedly in my face today. Trying to be meta there. Oh, 
sorry, Greg. Sorry. No, no, no. The clicking. Oh, the, oh, oh my god! Right, right. You've already. No, failed. I thought you were doing the um. No, you have failed this podcast. Um. Really, of all the things I've done wrong, this is the one. No, I just wanted to quote Arrow. So. <laughs> So yeah, as you can tell, uh, Trektober Part 2 continues this week, where we are going to be watching and talking about the Season 6 TNG episode, Schisms, uh, a.k.a. the one where a wooden table becomes a scary operating steel table in one question. Uh, yeah. That's I, really not the point of the I episode. Feeling, but, I have feelings about that one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that. I, I, I do as well a little bit. Okay. Okay. And then after the commentary, we might uh, we might do a little bit of chatting about the lower decks season finale, also, um, because yeah, folks are definitely going to want to chat about that. It'll be good times. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. So I've got my CBS All Access app up and running here. You guys have right. your your viewer of choice, also. Yes. I do. All right. In. One. Wait, how do we do this before? Uh, we count to three and hit play on the episode. There you go. I should have known that by now. One, two, three. Give up. Go. Oh, the volume is so loud on my side. Oh, God. It's not being picked up. It's just loud in my ears. Right. No, I had the same thing where it was like maximum volume. Yeah. I, I just have subtitles. I don't have any volume on. Yeah. So this opening scene always kind of is interesting to me, mainly because it's one of the rare times you actually see a normal human like pillowcase and and blankets and not shiny space pillowcases and blankets. Mm-hmm. But he is wearing this weird like pseudo ethnic pajama set. Yeah, you know that actually was from Jonathan Frakes, right? Is it? Just, is it her real, his real pajamas? No, but I could imagine he just struts on the set one day. And he's like, <laughs> "All right, I'm ready for my pajama scenes." <laughs> and I like that the rest of the episode we get bedhead Riker. I know. I know I right? I'm like, okay, so you overslept and you showed up late for work. You didn't have. You couldn't take like two more seconds of that lateness to like run some water and gel through your hair. Nope. Nope. <laughs> now we visually know that he is tired the entire time. Yeah. yeah, this is how you know you got super sleepy Riker. <laughs> <clears throat> the bags wasn't enough of a sell on its own. So no. Go ahead, Cable. I was gonna say, so first off, this is this is a would be considered a bottle episode. Yes. In yeah. that yeah. Because it only takes place either on the Enterprise or within another soundstage, which is easily repurposed. Right. Yeah. No alien planets, nothing like that. I oh, also, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I also love that this is... Uh, <laughs> the episode starts with yet another one of Data's trying to become an artist. Or trying, <laughs> trying to gain humanity through understanding the arts. And this right. time, it's a poetry reading. This is the first appearance of Ode to Spot. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, you mean you... we get this one again? Mm. Look, it's Lieutenant. It's Ensign J. Ensign J. Ensign J. Uh, oh, her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so Ode to Spot happens again in... Oh, it's another... It's either a season six or seven episode. Oh, it's Fistful of Datas. Mm. When date. <laughs> so it's these looks that Jay and, and Picard give each other that, like, I think lends credence to that uh, theory you were talking about off air, Aaron. What, that Jay is... Like, that they... That, that's why she has uh, such a, a cult following amongst Trekkies. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's never just in the background. She's always, like that woman in the background there, like that's, although good acting on her part, that was an epic eye roll. <laughs> just, like she, they're both sitting at the edges of their chairs. They're leaning, they're leaning in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And granted, I get it, you do that so that you still are both in Hold on really frame. quick. Could we talk about just the high pants on the dude behind Data? If they show him again. <laughs> they do a lot of that. That is like They're... some Ed Grimley outfit shit there. <laughs> Look at yeah. him! Oh my god! Oh, my video your... keeps breaking down. It's the nineties, man. I guess. Oh, I do have to give it to Patrick Stewart. It's actually hard to. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's hard to fake act faking being happy about something and not having it look bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This is just... It's just torture. So painful. Um, and don't get me wrong, man. I love Next Gen, but the whole idea that, like, this is what humans do for pastime now. It's one of the... I think it's one of my favorite things that it kind of went away with DS9... And Discovery, like, really kind of put a pin in it is that when people are after hours, they still go hit the bar and listen to music and and just kind of, like, screw around. The idea of, like, well, I've just put in eight hours on the bridge. I'm going to go listen to beat poetry now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, they they have other stuff. They've got poker night. Yeah, but I'm talking about, like, ship gatherers. It's like We never see what the Lower Decks kids get up to. That's true. That's because they're fucking off. That's because they're actually. Ha- we know. We know exactly what they do now. They're doing shots yeah, and ten forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you get that. I, you get that second pip, and all of a sudden you're going to violin concertos every other night. Yep, I I love the fact that that's that is the piss that uh, Lower Decks just takes out of Next Gen. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like nope. It, on Thursdays is poker night. It's a friendly game. <laughs> What about money? <laughs> we don't have money. Um, but I do also love how Discovery kind of took the piss out of it too. Mm-hmm. I think it's what season one when it's the it's the big old party. Yes. Until he has that line to to Michael, I'm kind of I'm kind of done like only having a thing for men in uniform. And then she glances at that one lieutenant, kind of shaking, and she's like. Well, maybe not. <laughs> yep. I think that also started to go away due to the uh, Kelvin timeline. Mm-hmm. Like when we're introduced to both Kirk and Uhura in a bar fight. That's right. With Bud Classic was still one of my mm-hmm. favorite lines in that whole movie. Mm-hmm.
you better be careful, Riker. You know what happens when you make Beverly mad. She will backhand you. She did it to Wesley once, and that was her son. Ah. Uh, ironically, actually, I think in the episode where they weren't getting enough REM sleep. <laughs> Not enough mm. sleep makes you angry. Yeah, it does. Yep. There's our same uh, four-colored red and blue experiments that are ever going on in the back of sick bay. Oh yeah. They, they always have to be going on. Always have to be going on. Yeah. It's the culture tanks. I think, I don't know. God. Look, this is a cool you... shot. Just her. Oh, I feel sorry. Like... My my video is a little bit off. Oh, uh, that's fine. No, over here by the, I assume the war core. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, the reflection, like when you see it in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always a good one. I don't know how often they use that, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Fairly often, but I imagine it's a tricky shot because that requires making your background light, like the warp core, bright enough to reflect, but not distracting from what you have to see Mm -hmm. and whenever glass and light is involved it's kind of a it's kind of a cinematographer's nightmare i'll bet this is a like still still reflecting off the back panel there Mm -hmm. um i feel too that uh no i lost it oh this like they spent a lot of time effort and energy in building the engine set, engine mm-hmm. room set. So by season six, you would hope that they would, had figured out how to shoot it from different angles to get neat shots like that. Like that. Yeah, reflection. I mean, by now, yeah. they've really got it down to a science. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, what's interesting is that when they were first uh, when they were first designing TNG, like correcting, you know, creating the show, the, the show Bible and whatnot, um, there wasn't going to be an engine room at all. The, what? The, yeah, the thought being is that Starfleet ships had advanced so much that everything could be done from, like, the bridge. Like, everything could be done from the bridge. What it really was, was Paramount wanting to cut corners and save money and not build an extra mm-hmm. set. So apparently, as the rumor goes, an encounter at Farpoint, Roddenberry specifically wrote a scene that said, interior, engine room. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of forcing Paramount to build an engine room. I mean, it's a, it's a f- fun idea, I suppose. The idea that, like, oh, you don't have to have a separate engine room to take care of all your stuff. But doing everything from the bridge would be visually boring, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would. Um, well, that's right. Here's where the things are starting to happen. Showing, they're starting to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what's funny is that... What's funny about Paramount being cheap is like a lot of these things were already built. They just had to kind of reassemble it. Mm-hmm. So like how... The... Go ahead. I, I was just going to commentary back on the show, but go ahead, Aaron. No, I was going to say like the um, that bridge room table that they call the pool table. Mm-hmm. They built that thing for like start for Star Trek four. That's the table <laughs> back on earth. that has been used so many times and it gets repurposed for enterprise. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's nice that they aren't wasting it by making a new one every time. But you know, 
See that though? Three enlisted people. Jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did notice that because we were just talking about that last week where I was like, I didn't, I've never really actively, I don't have active knowledge of the jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. So they caught my eye last week too. I think with TNG, we saw more uniforms than we did um, uh, coveralls. So, Oh, yeah. Totally. <gasps> for me, weirdly make, it weirdly makes sense for me in my head. Does it? Yeah, this is the flagship, so you're going to have all of your fanciest people on it and whatnot. So I, I wanted to make the comment in the last scene when there's the explosion in the cargo bay that that is the um, I've never seen so many people saunter to the site of an emergency where people may be dead right. than that scene right there. There was a lot there. Yeah. But I, I feel like this episode more than a lot of others there are a lot of named extras. There are a lot of additional crew that are seen. So it's not just the the bridge crew that we see. Right. Which is kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a busier episode in that regard. Yeah. And I think it's like, that's where it starts lending to... I think part of what makes this a, a good horror episode is that there are all these sequences where like Data and Jordy are talking about how poorly his poetry reading went or, uh, you know, talking about hot toddies or an upcoming scene, this scene right here where Worf's about to get his hair cut. It's all very mundane. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, I didn't, it doesn't have as much tension as I would have preferred from this type of plot device Mm -hmm. until a much much later end of the episode which is why i had mentioned like when i sent the message to you guys this afternoon that's where this starts to feel lovecraftian in that it is this very slow burn and it's and it's and it's dread yes building it's not it's not danger it's not fear it's this there's something out there. And right now they're all thinking, well, it's just all in our heads. Yes. You know, they're, they're all making sanity checks on their own and failing and <laughs> totally. not realizing why they're losing sanity points. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. a really good way of putting that. Yeah, Worf totally. just, Worf just lost one here. It's like, Oh, <laughs> I just attacked my barber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And to me, this was at the the first time I watched it. I was like, "What? What's his deal? Why is he so upset?" I hadn't really, like I hadn't yet picked up what what was happening. Right. What the problem was. I'm like, "Why is he mad about the barber?" And then he just you know wanders off and doesn't apologize in very Klingon fashion. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or or explain. Mm-hmm. I do love how they start to also hint that I mean, you find out later that Jordy's also being abducted but his implants are kind of letting him process things differently mm-hmm. so he's not as exhausted as like Worf Riker and the woman we meet later I always forget her name just civilian number one yes 
Those uh, those jugs in the background look extremely uh, TNG recycled. Mm-hmm. That was our uh, TOS. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. I mean, those blue ones were just flat out water barrels. Well, and the other ones I think are just trash cans. They look like it. Both of them. Yeah. Come here, Jenny. I think the one bit of tech that has always, at least in terms of like, I don't mean future tech, but like uh, set design from TNG that still holds up. Because a lot of the TNG stuff, it's like they're on a giant cruise ship. Like everything's beige and carpeted. <laughs> There's only three plants that so they just move around. But the Lacar's <laughs> interface was always cool. Mm-hmm. And how it adjusted to the user and stuff. That was a pretty interesting jump. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever realized that it adjusts. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, that was the precursor to our touch screens that we have now. Mm-hmm. Like ever since the like they developed this, that's all we wanted out of computers is touch screen. Yeah, totally. I'll speak for yourself. What do you want? You want the typing? Uh, hold on. I'll show it to you. Or do you want the like the Iron Man, you know, stuff? <laughs> she's just gonna keep us in suspense until she I know. finds it. I'm, I'm, bringing say, up, I, I'm bringing up an image. I do like the <clears throat> the one of the tropes they go through here, which is very effective for this kind of show, mm-hmm. is the science and medicine can't figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. What I do appreciate, though, is does never once does Dr. Crusher say, like, well, you guys are just nuts. Nope. You know, it's always, okay, and nothing that I know is showing up, so we need, we need to figure out what's going on. Yep. This is not a bacteria I've ever seen or heard <laughs> right. of yeah. or so exists not, in our databases. Yeah, so I'm not just going to discredit it as in your head. Something is wrong. You're right. Just can't figure out anything about it. Mm-hmm. There we go. I sent you a link of uh, what I want phones to be like. Oh, phones? Yeah. <laughs> you I, you I wasn't referring to just phones, but uh, y- yes. <laughs> that has a touch screen too, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The, I meant more things like the Surface that yeah. I'm <laughs> using. I do find this funny. You can see the Phillips head screws at the top of the L cars. I know. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever noticed that before. And when this would have first broadcasted, you may not have noticed it as much. Because it would have been, you know, tube tees. Um, first time I ever I saw Riker take the helm. I didn't really ever. notice it the, uh, the first time I watched this. Yeah. I noticed it this afternoon when I was <laughs> watching this and prep and went, what the hell? I mean, you know, if it's an effective tool, why would it ever go away? Sure. I don't think you're going to put it through uh, an L card. That's true. You got me out there, Cable. Damn you. Do I? Did I? Uh, I do like how a lot of the shots this episode, if there's an extra, they make sure to put them in the scene. They're not just kind of like offsetter. It creates an mm-hmm. evil claustrophobic vibe to it, which I dig. 
Like this guy in the background here? Yeah. Who's uh, Lieutenant Shipley, who's been named throughout the episode. Yep. Poor Shipley. Jordy, what do you L5C? Whenever they do this, that's all I hear in my head. It's where where John McClane's crawling about, looking for Hans Gruber. Come to the coast, get together, have a few laughs. I do love that TNG did technically do a Die Hard episode. Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. As did Voyager. It's true. Did Deep Space Nine ever do one? I don't think they did. Uh, I feel like that's all Deep Space Nine was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as we'll discuss next week, Empok Norse kind of that, but in reverse. You know. Yeah, I I also rewatched that one recently, and that is definitely more psychological thriller. Yeah. Um as far as what kind of horror horror movie or horror trope does it go into. This one is definitely more Lovecraftian. But, you know, the alien abduction genre is kind of Lovecraftian on its own anyway. Sure. Man, this is peak Marina Sirtis wig here. Mm-hmm. I do not care for this, uh, this style choice. No. It, we're about ten episodes away from her getting a freaking uniform, finally. Mm-hmm. Finally, but the that, uh, that, to me that is still the best thing that Captain Jellico ever did for the Enterprise. That's right. <laughs> also, and, I think she's been uh, Marina Sirtis was tanning a little too much at this particular time in in production. Eh, I mean, I don't know. I think or they also, or they lightened her hair, but her coloring just seems really off to me from what I'm it's, used to. That wig seems because comp- it's. I don't think it's her real hair until the movies. It's not. It's it's a wig the entire time. But I didn't think it also used to be darker, like really yes. dark. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that purple outfit, around. which by her own admission is her least favorite, mm-hmm. is the least flattering. Everything, cut, right, well, it's shape, the, it's color, the all of it. Stupid cat suit, and then the but the pant legs are like loose, like trousers, like yeah. unflattering women's like work clothing trousers. Yeah. A bit, uh, yeah, everything about her look in this episode is terrible. I hated, I hated all of her, all of her jumpsuits. I kind of like this because I like the thing in horror movies when everyone starts to figure out as they begin to share experience. Mm. Like, wait a minute. That one woman. I have speaking lines now. This will, get me my, this will get me my SAG card. Mm-hmm. I'll never be seen on... Well, she might have been on Star Trek again. I don't know. In a just world, that would have been Ensign J instead of this rando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, Riker jumps right to the... It's like, of course... I can use the holodeck for something other than, you know, having sex with holograms. (laughs) Uh, Her name is Minuet. Thank you very much. Show some respect. No. Um, (laughs) This this scene is so weird. This was the first time that I think they actually had to build the holodeck. Normally it was, I guess, like blue screen or green screened. 
Um, this one, they had to actually build it for some reason. Because it was going to be the actual set. Like yeah, that's, that's true. Oh, that's right, because usually it goes right to another, like, computer, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, here comes that jump in computer table logic. So I thought, like, I get why. Well, yeah, because they have to do this scene in, like, six minutes. That and... All right, you want us to bring in how many different tables and then keep swapping <laughs> them in and out? No, right. no. Like, it would have We're... broken a lot of rules of track, but I kind of, part of me would have been like, here's where we need a title card that says four hours later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and then, like, what kind of table is that that just appeared? The, that one. I... The, the inclined wooden one. That's like some fucking D&D sex table. Yeah, like it is hard to to go yeah, see, with there's, like there's a jump. It's like that's not even a table anymore. No, you know this is them just hitting the Paramount prop lot. Mm-hmm. Just anything. Yeah, totally. Because I'm pretty sure that table we just saw makes an appearance in Jason X eventually. <laughs> that's Paramount, right, Cable? Jason? Yes. Yeah. Or at least was at the time. I mean, I know we make fun of this part because it is kind of a lot of like weird jumps. But from about here on, I do like the creepiness vibe they get going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think LeVar Burton helps really sell it at this point. It His... Verbal frustration, yeah, with not being able to describe what he's talking about to the computer in precise parameters, like that's frustrating for an engineer. It's frustrating for him as a human, and then just making the light brighter, followed by Riker just walking out of the shadows. A, it's like what a shot there, right? Yeah, that's a good shot. Like this, this whole scene is definitely the oh, oh, this is not the kind of episode that I thought it was. Right. It's probably like one of the most dramatic moments in the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Like once you discover, once they discover the aliens, it's not as scary. Which is that whole thing about dread being worse than fear. Mm-hmm. Once you see the thing, your brain can start to process it. But the dreads just the worst, and is the hardest thing to convey. I think dreads hard to pull off. Music has to do a lot for you in those instances. Like you can only like act like you're feeling dread so so much. Right. It's really hard to convey. But I think like uh, like Frake sells it with being frequent, constantly exhausted the entire episode. Like he just just little mannerisms of going, I, I'm I'm over this shit. I'm over it. I'm over it. Right. Big enough to hold my hair. I do oh. like exactly like how exact her her uh, oh my God. description is. Oh, oh no! Where'd I'm back. Go? Oh, jeez. Maybe they should have had this throwaway character like just be really good at like drawing, and she could have just like 
you know, just like a like a witness description of what the table looks like, and then just, they could have spent less time on this scene. Right, gun totally analog with it. It's like here, let me draw you what it looked like. Well, I mean, they feed it into the holodeck after she's done drawing it, and then it like <laughs> renders, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, that's it!" Yeah, but this builds better tension. But they had to build up the table in order for her to even get to the point where it's like, oh, right, there was a swing arm. Yeah. I do like Warp's reaction. Like, they're, like all of them, their eyes are like, oh, shit. They're, it's... Yeah, and that, that's the... Like, you have Warf involved in this, and Warf is visibly scared. And he's the, he's the biggest badass on the ship. Right. They do a lot of little, a lot of subtle things to show you why this is so terrifying rather than just tell you this is supposed to be scary. Yeah. And here it is. Ugh. It's just the this worst. is, to me, this is where it starts to get really good. Mm-hmm. The clicking? Yeah, once you add the audio effect, the table is just, it, you know, they've spent so much time on this table. Uh, and you're like, the logical steps here are kind of silly. But line. this is where it gets dark and serious. But the, yeah. But it's supposed to. Like, the, it's, they want that slow build so that the payoff is, oh, God. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, God. And it'd be one thing if, like, slow I like is it. all I mean. I, 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 they, they get there in the end, but right. they, they really took their time about it. Yeah. This is also like 80s TV. That's true. Uh, we're forget. 90s by now, but yeah. This, early 90s is basically the same as the 80s still. I do like that it's not whispers, though, because that's actually something your brain can handle better. But that clicking is not a way that humans think about communicating. It's decidedly <laughs> foreign. That's the sound. That's something that isn't even like mammalian. That's how it's insectoid. Yeah, so it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. You know. Man, sometimes that tech, sometimes that techno babble kind of helps sell a story. Yep. Yeah, when it's like, not even like even data is affected. It's like, oh, right. well, we're all screwed then. But it it also allows them to just firmly establish. Okay, it's not just like we're not just all having the same dream or anything like that. I was not on the ship. Yep. Right. Now, how do we explain this? What time is it now? What do you mean? What do you mean what time is it now? Oh, I love this part. Right, because she just said they've been gone since X hour. Mm-hmm. Since 23-something. Yeah. Oh, that's time. right. The thing with Riker's arm. I like how the the other officers just like, I don't want to have to tell the command, the, the first officer that his arm has been removed. Right. I'm going to have the chief medical officer do it. <laughs> removed. Perfectly severed. That is, I don't know why out of all the experiments we find out about here, that one disturbs me the most. The idea that, yeah, that just messes with me. And it put should. it back. 
because it's clearly we are we are doing something we shouldn't be and we are trying to cover our tracks right i mean there's something that like like deeply violating about amputating one of your limbs without you knowing and then Mm -hmm. putting it back so you still never know right I think the other reason why this episode works as kind of a horror or Lovecraftian stuff is that there are a lot of accepted dangers of serving on a starship, you know, in Starfleet, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, you know, black holes and, and meteor showers and fucking Romulans and Borg and, but they're Trolls. all external. Yeah. But they're all external threats. And in a way you can deal with, but if you just start to vanish and no one knows why, mm-hmm. Like, for as dangerous as space is, like, ships are safe. They're... I mean, that's disturbing anywhere per- you go. Right. They're perceived as safe, yes. Yeah, and this episode runs like, no, no, you're not safe. We'll take you while you sleep and cut your arms off. Mm-hmm. While clicking. And what's worse is you, uh, you're the one that threw up the flag. Yeah. And went, here we are. It's like, no, oh, no. Yeah, you you went looking for us, and now you're annoyed <laughs> that we that we are interacting with you. That's that's something like because I mean spoilers because they never really get to know anything about who these entities are or what their motives are. Mm-hmm. We we don't really know. Like they might not have had uh, malicious intent. It could just yeah. be, you know how they get information and they don't understand. There's no reason for them to think that there's anything wrong with that. They're clicky fish people. They're evil. That's racist. Specious. Whatever. And so is the entirety of Starfleet. (laughs) I always wondered if those chairs were comfortable. Probably not. Probably not. Nothing on TV is actually meant to be comfortable. They look like something you can get at Home Goods, and it looks cool, but it it's not great or long lasting. Yeah, no. uh -uh. But the table's cool. The table that has to be polished like freaking hourly. (laughs) By Boimler. (laughs) <laughs> it's coming from in. That's the Trek equivalent of it's coming from inside the ship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All is coming from inside the house. Yeah, you keep waiting for hello, Sydney. <laughs> Could Scream come out by this point? No. No. Mm-hmm. But Much I do later. Believe... Are you sure? Yeah. Scream is actually a late 90s thing. Uh, oh, that's my fault. <laughs> How dare you? I know. This is what I get for looking up when Scream came out. 96. Okay, so not much, much later, but... Yeah, like two years. <laughs> this was ni- this episode is 94? No, I guess this no, is 92. 92. 
We're going to have to cut your ass off. <laughs> ah, Riker knows how the game works. <clears throat> yeah, this would have been what? Yeah, 92. Yep. I'm trying to remember. I know for a while, McFadden was also given a wig. Yeah, I still feel like we're in the wig era of Gates yeah. McFadden. This hair, in my mind, looks better than what I'm used to from the earlier seasons. Well, they get better at the wigs. Yeah, this is also a, a different hairstyle than what she just had in the conference room. Is it? Presumably because this was shot. Um, no, it's like, the same. as the conference room? Yeah, her it's hairstyle absolute, was slightly it's absolute, off. It's absolutely the same style. Is it? I mean, who's the who's going to be the better long hair expert here? Staying out of it. <laughs> are, are you saying because I shave mine off, I don't pay attention to hair? But I do see what Cable's saying. This probably was that all those scenes were probably all shot at once. Yeah. I mean, maybe they like gave her a, you know like a refluffing before you know between scenes, but it's the same hairstyle. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not. My name's Paul. It seems like all. it was brushed back further. Uh, it's it's not, also different angles. You get her from different sides in those two scenes, mm-hmm. so I can see where that might seem different. You nerds. Riker pretending to sleep just like he's a kid on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I know. This is Aaron sitting in his bed every Christmas. How dare Eve. you? Not that I do that, and still. Uh huh. No, that's you why like I, did, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't put a date on it. <laughs> you should see me on the night before whenever I go to Disneyland. I I don't even try to go to bed. <laughs> uh, I usually don't end up sleeping before any trips ever. Yeah, that's true. I think Frakes does a lot of great just uh, face acting and. In this episode, or in this whole sequence, where he's just like, I have to look scared, but I also have to look like I'm not going to panic. Yeah. Oh, there's the yeah, there's the scissors, the curly oh. scissors. Mm-hmm. That actress, that extra that are playing the other Starfleet officer, I know she's just lying with her eyes open, but she's really good at giving that look of like, am I dead or not? It's just I don't know. Actually, that, it reminded me of some recent scenes from Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bring it all back around. Apparently, Braga was never happy with how these aliens looked, but I think they're fine. I don't ever remember being able to see them that clearly. You couldn't back then. Yeah, like yeah, back then that was still like I could tell that they're semi-amphibious or semi-fish, but I mm-hmm. couldn't when I first watched this. Right, it was a dark-hooded figure. With just the scariest hands, those mm-hmm. claws. Yep. So those aren't those aren't hands. They've got claws like a lobster boy. They I mean, have... they're they're perfectly cromulent aliens. Cromulent aliens? What? 
they kind of have slee stack hands. Mm-hmm. Which, if you grew up watching Land of the Lost, makes this episode all the more terrifying, honestly. So here, this they're they're doing that uh, warp core reflection shot again, which kind of makes me wonder if like they only recently figured out how to do that, and they're like, "This looks cool," so we're just going to use it all the time. No, I think they were doing it for a while. Fine. Like they shift what? directors, but the, the people working with cameras probably are the one are there all the time and go, you know, what's really cool is if we do this kind of shot. Oh, okay, let's do that. I'm so annoyed we never got a sequel with these aliens. Not even in... I, there was a two-issue miniseries back when DC had the Trek license in, like, 93. Mm-hmm. It did a pseudo-follow-up, but... But never uh, on the show. No, and I even think, like, there could be a good... You could do something good with these guys. It would probably have to be in a comic now, you know? But I think that's also where this gets into. That's what that's what places this into Lovecraftian style horror is. We never, never see knowing. them again, and we never know. Right. Uh, and that makes them always a threat. I'm. I. I haven't really decided which camp I'm in with that argument. I. If it's a good villain, or. Uh, you kind of always want to get another opportunity to see them again, even if it's a similar type plot in one of the f- subsequent series. Mm-hmm. But but I agree with Cable too that like the the never knowing is like part of what gives it that dread. And if you revisit it, it and it's especially if it's not executed that mm-hmm. well. Like what if Enterprise had brought this back and explained it more than we understand about it here in this next gen episode? That would ruin it in my mind. I I think that they. Here's the trick is they have done this. They did this on Voyager and it ruined it. They did this alien in Voyager? They did did. an alien species invaded the ship, was was out of phase from the rest of the crew, so was able to perform a bunch of really weird experiments on the crew, except nobody knew that they were there. Yeah, uh, the episode's called Scientific Method. Yeah. Okay, I don't think I watched that, even though it sounds familiar. It, it was a, it was another one of the, it was after 709 had become part of the crew, so they, yes. it was one in, one in the series of 709 has to save the ship. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, people aren't going to like it. It's season four, so it's relatively new 709, so. Okay. Like, I, I really don't think I watched it. It just feels familiar. Yeah, like, Janeway's complaining of a headache the entire episode. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And then come to find out it's because there's this weird contraption with, like, 18 different needles drilled into her head. Yeah. That these alien scientists are, like, you know, adjusting all the time to make her headache worse to see what kind of t- tension and stress she, she can take. But they're a humanoid right. race, so once they're exposed, she can have a conversation with them, and they basically have a moral argument about when does the scientific method, like, uh, when is it, like, experimenting on people against their will, and when is it you're just conducting experiments on a lower life form? Right. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
to the ones that were, you know, the scientists, they're like, well, you're not nearly as advanced a species as we are, so we figure you wouldn't have noticed. You wouldn't, yeah, it's not a thing. Uh, also, I guess a human, there's no, there's no actual leg to stand on and having any sort of indignation about that because we've been doing it for generations. Mm-hmm. So probably about as long as we've been around, if if we if we're being honest. So like, where do we get off getting mad about it? Well, and that's one of the problems inherent with Star Trek sometimes is the the uh, moral and lesson of any particular episode. It's like, no, we're we're not we're not past that yet. We're not at a point where we can berate other species for being dicks because we're still <laughs> a dick trying. about that particular thing. But like that's because it's the entertainment of now. It's like we're trying to teach ourselves that this is a bad thing. We should all be on board with this being a bad thing. I don't know. I still want them to show up. Sure. Of course you do, because you like monsters. I do. And you want to play with monsters. Yeah. Monsters and Trek are fun. Mm-hmm. But if you want this to be just remain a, a standalone story, it works never knowing. I know. What I get annoyed is that they basically suggest right here that like, hey, they know they're out. We they know we're here. What do we do now? It would have been like seeing the Borg at the end of Q Who and then never revisiting them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it would have been, you know, yeah, Guinan saying, they know you're out there now. And then, like, never revisiting it ever again. Well, it's not like they made a habit of doing that. It's not like, you know, there's the entire, that happened with, oh, I don't know, the Packlids. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> or, you know, the, um, you know, the, the race that burrows inside your body and takes over heads of, uh, like, admirals in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of talked through it, and it's past now, but it's a, that's a really great last line slash last shot. Um kind of encompasses the whole concept of this episode. It's just like, oh, well, I don't, I don't think that they were necessarily benevolent. Uh, yeah. Almost certainly not benevolent. And they're still out there, and we, we know next to nothing. Yeah. The end. And they know how to get to us now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. So watch out if you hear clicking in the night. <laughs> You're going to get your arm cut off and reassembled. And, and also, worst, worst of all, is you're going to wake up in the morning and f- feel like you've only just closed your eyes. The worst. Honestly, I would rather have my arm amputated and not put back on than to go through a prolonged uh, situation of, of that. <laughs> I'd rather have body parts removed if I can get a solid eight hours. Yep. <laughs> Well, I actually think this one's a little spookier than uh, Wolf in the Fold. It's, I agree. I think not, you know, oh, yeah. And it's way less, you know, misogynistic. <laughs> which is Yeah, it's not, nearly, it's not nearly as problematic. Yeah, yeah not as much. <sighs> Sorry, I'm having to move around because I'm sitting on the floor today. There we go. Awesome. 
so should we move on to, before we wrap up the show, to give our quick thoughts on the series finale of Star Trek Lower Decks? Yeah. Woohoo. Uh, so yeah, it's it was episode 10, No Small Parts, I believe is the title of the episode. Um, <laughs> and the, the main crux is that, or the thing that starts to happen is that we get the return of the Packleds, who are smart. And uh, so remind me, they are introduced in TNG. TNG. Um, they are they are somehow a race that isn't smart enough to build their own ships, but are smart enough to get a ship, go to space, and rob other ships of parts to make them think to make work, make us go fast, make us shoot. Right. Um. They're a very awkward alien race as they were written. And I like that Lower Decks kind of, you know, kind of points the fingers at those riders and says, yeah, you created kind of a, a shitty thing here. So we're going to have some fun with it. They didn't just point the finger at the writers of the Packlet episode. They, they took umbrage with uh, the whole practice of, ah, we fixed their problem and then left. Everything should be fine now. Right. They we they make them on they, the wrist they and make said that, no. They make it a joke in the beginning, but then later they straight up call it out and they're like, "We're mm-hmm. shitty at this, Starfleet." Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so I I do I do like that part. Um I do love that the packlids have just they just keep grabbing more and more parts to where now they've got like Ramen and disruptors and Klingon cloaking devices and Gorn this and that and everything. But that they want every Starfleet ship because every ship is the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Which is very Packlet like <laughs> Another Enterprise. I think it was uh, like, to me, what, what told me that this was going to be a completely different episode of Lower Decks after the nine that I'd seen before was that they had the they had the four credits opening, which was funny, where you set up the whole now everybody knows about Mariner. We're visiting uh Landrew from the original series. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Then you go to credits and immediately after the credits, they destroy a starship and kill four hundred people. Right. And then immediately go into the next joke. They don't lose a beat, they just keep going. It's like I I I don't have any time to process the fact that you just killed an entire starship full of people. <laughs> a, a brand new one too. Nope, it's just it's yes. just done. Yeah. And but that was the signal of like, oh, this is a different episode. I don't right. know what we're going to get. And and then you know, punctuated that with the way that episode ended. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I do love the little nod they brought back the exocomps. And when I heard the title, when I read the title of the episode, I thought like, oh, the exocomp is going to willingly do this thing, and that's. But you know, they turned against that almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also love how the exocomp just like gotta go. <laughs> Bye. I just joined uh, to piss off my dad. <laughs> yeah, peanut hamper. Peanut <laughs> hamper is a stupid name. Like, ah, uh, yeah, that so much of that episode. Uh, 
I, I did appreciate the, the callback um, that Shax gives um, to when he's saving Rutherford. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like God, you know, like Godspeed, baby bear. Just like, oh right, they're called the Bear Pack. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just I couldn't get enough. I mean, it it definitely had like a lot of heart, a lot more heart. Um, but this one ended up being even more, you know, callback of callbacks to like all things Trek. Mm-hmm. That, that than Lower Decks has ever done. They threw every single reference in this episode. But they didn't just rely on the references to get them through. Like, no, it's... not at all. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I enjoy the whole point is that like the one thing that Trek never really acknowledges is that, and even though it's the butt of almost every episode of Lower Decks, we never see Starfleet of the Federation follow up Mm-hmm. Which I get it. The whole point of of Star Trek initially is the adventure in space. Always the new discovery. Always the always the unsailed horizon. Like that's you know it's still space adventure. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to try to show a growing, thriving universe, you have to deal with the people that then have to make it work. It's like that whole thing about rebellions are easy, but you know governing is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, Oh, totally. It's it's really it it's very easy to kind of show up and sort of like act like everyone's nanny and tell you how you're supposed to do things. But if you just walk away and never never look back and make sure that that work gets done, uh, that kid's gonna have a messy room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first contact day salmon was just the best. Was just the weirdest little joke. We are we are now making plans for oh, yeah. next April fifth. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. Looking up different recipes and that is that is solidly going to be the thing. Right. That's I like that idea. Um, um, also I love salmon though. To to the degree that if we are at a point where we can meet in person by next April fifth, yeah. that needs to be our new Thanksgiving. We could do that. We do first contact day. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Ooh, another reason to wear my Cybok outfit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will admit, I audibly squealed when the Titan made an appearance. I do. I love that ship. It's such I, a cool design. I don't think I'd have ever really seen it before until it's, now. Yeah, uh, it it's on the gorgeous. Yeah, it's on the cover of some of the books, and Eagle Moss has had a model out for a couple years now of it. It's pretty slick. Yeah, and plus, you I, know, Cable knows it's got that catamaran design, which I'm just a total mm-hmm. nerd for. Is that why they went with that so that it could be like the the D and the E, but also could be a call back to the Reliant? Um, it wasn't. So from what I remember, when they were planning the Star Trek Titan novels that take place after Nemesis, mm-hmm. they had actually do, did a contest to design what the Titan looks like. Hmm. So they they actually didn't have any any forethought about it. Um, but I do believe the person who did initially design the Titan, he had mentioned that like his inspirations were um, the were the Akira class and the Reliant. Those were his hmm. two inspirations. Neat. Um, and of course, the never used uh, NX refit. Those were like the things he drew upon as he was drawing the Titan. 
It's a, it's a good looking ship. And yeah, it's really good. Until yeah. he showed up, I had completely forgotten that that was the ship that Riker got after Nemesis. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh oh. Um, I only I only knew it from a couple of books I read at one point. I was Troy making mock you. She's like, you have enough whore guns. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was talking with a friend at work who watched one of the the, uh, the ready room after it, mm-hmm. which I I haven't I didn't realize they were still doing the ready room for all the. I didn't either. Is decks. it? Oh yeah. Will Wheaton's doing another season of The Ready Room, and it's all about Lower Decks. So I need to go back and watch all of those. I had no idea. Okay, cool. Darn. But but apparently, when he was talking to Frakes about his appearance, the director of the episode just went, it's like, what do you want? Do you want me to Riker this way, or movie Riker, or TV Riker? He's like, I want you to play Riker the way that you've always wanted to play Riker. (laughs) And he's like, done and apparently that was what right like what we saw in that brief bit on lower decks is how jonathan frakes has always wanted to play riker wow now i want to watch it yet again yeah bombastic over the top the whole <laughs> go to warp five six seven six, eight, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's always he's always been a like a smooth character, but in a very like reserved fashion. Mm-hmm. He gets really boring around season three of TNG. Mm-hmm. Like in season one, he very much is the hey, I'm going to be the youngest captain in Starfleet ever. That was his whole point. He was going to beat Kirk by a year as the youngest captain in Starfleet. Um, that's why one of my favorite Q lines. I think it's in season two. Maybe it is season three. When. It is season like three. It is. Yeah, yeah. I liked you better before the beard. You're so stoic now, Will. I liked you before the beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's the but, guy who gets you all your contraband. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like looking at that version of Riker, it's like, oh, of course, of course, you're why Mariner behaves the way that she does in Starfleet. <laughs> if you were her mentor, yeah. There's no That's... other way you would have turned out. None. <laughs> God, it just, you know. Which also explains why Captain Freeman hates him. <laughs> no, no, not right here. Not... Oh. <laughs> oh, man. She's mad at Bormer. I'm going to feed you to Armus. Oh, God. So many great <sighs> references. And also. Did we see the Cerritos after it got repaired? I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. We see shots of Star... Oh, we do see it. Okay. I really thought they were going to do a thing yeah. where they were going to give it one kind of weird little refit. She's like, I, I want it the way it used to look. Don't sovereign that thing. <laughs> uh, what was No, I want it to look almost exactly the way she used to. Mm-hmm. It was a very specific way that she phrased yeah. it that was but, not exactly... Exactly the same. That's right. I, I hate it when a ship gets repaired and comes out looking all sovereign class. <laughs> oh. uh, I am gonna. I am gonna miss uh, Shaxus. Yeah, that was that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah, I you know I didn't think they would uh, kill off one of them. Although uh, I should be used to you know, but 
but I, I guess. Love... Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I did love his funeral though. <laughs> He's probably out there screaming at someone in the afterlife right now. <laughs> he, uh, Fred Tascatore, uh, who plays Shax, mm-hmm. uh, was also in this episode of Ready Room and was talking about the fact that. Uh, he really loves the show is looking forward to doing other voices for the show, maybe coming back next season. He's like, but I want to make it clear. Shax is dead. No clones, no mirror universe, no duplicates, no nothing. Shax is dead. Right. (laughs) It's like, okay. It's like, I, I, it's like, I don't want that. We're not doing that. We're not just because we're the funny Trek. We're not, like, oh, we're going to bring him back and everything's going to be as normal. It's like season two is going to start with Boimler still on the Titan. Right. Beckett is still pissed at him. <laughs> I was really curious what what next season is going to look like because the whole show starts with Boimler and Beckett, you know, becoming friends and working together on this ship. Is the next season still going to be about them? Oh, it's yeah. still going to be about the four. It's the the four people are um, Mariner, Boimler, uh, Tendy, and Rutherford. Well, because what I remembered was that way back when, I think before even it was discussed or like leaked or you know being talked about that Lower Decks would be an animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the rumors were that it was going to be an anthology series. And I was like, I was thinking that it would be pretty cool if the next season was just a whole new cast of characters. Like right. still a hilarious animated show, but just all different people. I think an anthology would work for a dramatic series and not yeah. a comedic one. Because part of the appeal is Beckett Mariner is absolute train wreck of a person to watch and that's what makes her so fun yeah and it's to watch them all kind of grow together Mm -hmm. um i mean if i had to guess there's just um boimler's gonna do horrible on the titan oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's that's gonna be a lot of work See, and I don't know that that's true. I, I think he's he'll actually excel, but that's only also because he's been working with Mariner. Like, all of them keep screwing up in all these different ways until you actually put them in danger. And, like, even Boimler, when he's in, like, he'll yell and scream, but, like, he's the one that comes across with the speeches that can inspire everyone else to pick everything up and keep going. Um, like at no point did he like they're on the they're getting attacked by the packlets and he's just in the chair at you know at the con doing shit right I do like for as much as she complains about not wanting responsibility there's an intentional shot that when Mariner sits in the center seat how natural she looks at it Mm -hmm. and has that look of like oh yeah the center seat (laughs) yeah she's just like I've been it's like this is my chair all the time right period uh, we got to wrap it up here a little bit, but um, sure. I think my favorite visual joke, and there were a lot in this one, but I think my favorite was in the background 
when the the Cerritos's engineer had the freaking Spock helmet from the seventies toy. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> That and Sulu's rapier, but yeah, that Spock helmet is like, oh my god, that was great, the dumbest Trek toy ever, ever uh, made. I think my, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think my favorite was at the end there. I know it's not main characters, but uh, yeah, Riker's talking about like, oh yeah, let's go to that planet. They've got a little Riza, and then that's that's why um, Deanna's like, should we bring the little Horgoth then? Like, yeah, we'll bring the regular size Horgoth. And I didn't really know what that was, so I'd look it up, and I was like, that's a butt plug. The Horgon? Yeah. 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 There's so many great little things. Uh, oh, my God. I forgot that uh, Boimler has a collectible plate of Commander Ransom in his quarters. <laughs> on the Titan. I I totally missed that. Yeah. You actually have to zoom in on the shot to see it, but... Oh, I'll look of for course, that in Of course you much. did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention. We got. I mean, we got to wrap it up here, but the return of Badgie. Yes. I've, I've been waiting my whole life to do this. <laughs> and I am Can actually I teach looking you very... a lesson? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to take away my, uh, what is it, the, the, the controls, protocols. the safety. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually am really looking forward to this idea of Beckett being like her very own secret uh, division. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just this fucking sub- subversive Star Trek. Right. It's like I'm gonna do these things, but you can do all of the things that uh, that I can't get away with, and I'll just have your back. She's like, "Oh, it sounds like we're both going to the brig." Yep. <laughs> it's like just just uh, don't tell your father. And Riker had that final great line. I was watching the first Enterprise on the holodeck. <laughs> you know, Archer, those guys. What a story! They had a long road getting from there to here. Man, so worst good. worst line in the whole series. Best line ever. It it was. I mean, actually, the I, warp that was, was a long one. way to go for that joke. Yeah. It, was it really was. It really was. No, the best the best Riker line is the in warp one, five, seven, eight. Jazzing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, of course, that means this week we get to start watching season three of Discovery this Thursday. <laughs> Man, cable is it this you... Thursday? Right. This Thursday, yeah. There's no downtime between Lower Decks and uh, mm-hmm. Discovery. They kept but advertising you... it as, as 23 weeks of uninterrupted Trek. Yep. So we got 13 Yeah, that's why I was Discovery. thinking there was something else besides Lower Decks and nope. Discovery. We'll 10 and 13, 13 is 23. 10 and, so it and is. then it's going to be dry for a while because mm-hmm. nobody's filming right now, Mm-mm. which sucks. Uh, the CW is filming right now. I mean Star Trek. There's other things to watch besides Star Trek. No, there's not. No, I'm just kidding. I know. All right. All right. Uh, well, on that note. Well, I was going to say, Cable, that means you did finally see season two, the end of it, right? We are done. Um, how badass was it when Laurel joins that fight at the end? When, oh, man. When she yells <laughs> that we will bathe in the blood of our enemies and walk into it. It's like, oh, my God, Laurel, you're the best. And I just... I'm hoping in season three that uh, we get to see uh, some of those Klingons out of makeup playing other characters because I, it would be a shame to lose Mary Chifo. yeah. At the very least, also, I hope she's got a few episodes in, in uh, Strange New Worlds. Oh, yeah. Because I feel oh, like her and Pike will maintain some kind of communication. Mm-hmm. 
you know, even if it's just back channels. And which, unfortunately, knowing how things go in TOS and how things go for the first woman chancellor of the Empire, uh, it's not going to go well for her having those back channels with Pike. Nope. That's that's fine. Um, I think the the other Discovery actor that I'd like to see on Strange New Worlds is definitely uh, Ring Wilson's Harry Mudd again. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be... Interesting to see how they pull that off. Well, because the, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. You said Strange New Worlds. Yes. Yeah. Never mind. That same same time, same chunk of time. Yes. And then we get to watch the slow decline of Mud from this vicious pirate to the joke that he is in the original series. <laughs> Which is that is interesting though, because when you watch the first episode of Mud in TOS. Like, Spock has the computer read off his crimes. Mm-hmm. And they're all still horrible crimes, including, like, the violation of a whale. Like, it's on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't we talk about this last week? Yeah. And then also, A couple like, weeks ago. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's like, like, everyone's complaining, but they actually gave the... TOS gave us a list of things to go off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, in, you know, in, in iMud, or Mud's first TOS appearance... Yes, the actor plays him so jovial that he's fun to watch, but everyone forgets, like, yeah, he's a drug dealer and a sex slave trader. (laughs) It just happens like, oh, Jimmy boy. He's selling women and keeping them addicted to drugs so they look attractive. Like, Mm -hmm. guys, let's, (laughs) you know, so. I mean, even I had to think about, like, oh, Mud's so goofy. Why is he so mean? And I thought, like, oh, no, wait a minute, no. It's just that the actor is goofy. Mud's actually yep. a horrible, horrible person. Yep. Well, you know, people don't read for comprehension, or like they don't they don't listen to the words. They just like the beat. Yeah. Had a good beat. You could dance yep. to it. All right. Well, with that, next week we will the be Republicans watching... using "born in the USA" all the time. That's just not understanding irony. <laughs> um, next week. Uh, the commentary of Empok Nor from DS9 as Trektober <laughs> continues. Uh, what, are, what are we watching? Empok Nor. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. All right. Well, and then with we'll all that being said, off. Yep. Oh, but finish off with and then we'll finish right? it off with uh, the um, Enterprise. Enterprise. Uh, Impulse. Thank you. I always want to call it primal. I'm like, nope, that's not it. Yeah. And as Riker said, it will have taken a long time getting from there to here. I have no idea if Aaron is still with us. I think uh, he is. I am, but we're about to lose it. So just say the goodbyes. Oh no, total freeze up. I'm going to say I'm Aaron Duran. And they were Binarita and Cable Hashitani. However, unfortunately, they have likely now been abducted by extra dimensional fish lizard people and are having their limbs severed and their blood replaced as we speak. So tune in next week when I either have undead hosts or just me. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Tune in next week. Bye. No warning. They're out there somewhere. No mercy. Death to all. That was our motto. No escape. We're never going to get off the station. O'Brien and his crew. He's coming after us, isn't he? 
are stalked by the deadliest of predators. I don't intend to stand around waiting to be killed. One of their own. We're gonna get out of here, you can count on that. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 